0: Hello, people! Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you guys had a good week. Um, I did. I found out that someone showed d Dan Jackson, the NAD president, my remix video of him living the thug life in his hooey speech. So, thank you to you-know-who-you-are who who showed it to him. Um, yeah, so what's been going on with you guys? Uh, I hope that all is well. Today, I want to talk about a couple of things, but before I tell you what those things are, we have an ad. Hey, this episode of the Adventist Millennial Podcast is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. What's the and more? Well, you'll have to go to their website to find out, thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. So today I want to talk about God's motivation for a couple of things in the Bible. Um, This is something that I thought about many years ago and wrote about in school, and I wanted to share it with you because it's something that I have contemplated on over the years, um, and it's still meaningful to me. Okay, so the first question is why did God remove Samson's strength only when he cut his hair? Because we all know the story of Samson, um, but. It seems a little arbitrary that God would make the rule that he would only, he would lose his strength if he cut his hair. So we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to ask the question, why did God wait to create Eve? So let's just get with it. Okay, so my premise today is that God put Samson's strength in his hair simply because he wanted to wait as long as he could before taking away Samson's strength. Um, This was the last shred of commitment that could be broken before God would be forced to take some kind of action i think god didn't want to take away samson's strength he needed samson and he wanted him to stay strong i mean that's why he gave him strength in the first place um but it's just like with a parent who can't bear to punish their child until the very last minute after they counted to five instead of three Uh, God held off taking Samson's strength until he absolutely had to. So, God told Samson's mother in Judges 13 that Samson was supposed to be a Nazarite unto God and keep all of the Nazarite vows. Now, a Nazarite is uh, someone dedicated to God who did all the things that Samson was supposed to do, like, for example, not cutting his hair, not eating anything to do with grapes, etc., we can find these vows in Numbers chapter 6. Um, the two main commitments, as I said, were that he was not supposed to eat or drink anything that had to do with grapes, and he was not supposed to cut his hair. Now, you may be asking yourself, how do you know that the strength was strictly in Samson's hair? The Bible never says outright that Samson drank wine, which, was, which would have broken his Nazarite vow. You could make the argument that God may have taken away Samson's strength if he broke any of the Nazarite commitments, but that cutting his hair was just the one that he broke. Um, but I think that you could safely, logically deduce that he probably drank wine, even if it's not explicitly said in the story. Uh, for one thing, we know for a fact that Samson did do some things that were not only against Nazarite commitment, but also outside the realm of what any good Israelite would have done. Um, he had a problem with not being able to resist women, uh, which included going to a prostitute. He had this kind of back and forth provocation relationship with the Philistines that was not contributing to his to his task that he was given of defeating the Philistines, and he didn't really put a lot of trust and obedience in God's plan for his life. He kind of had his own agenda that came before anything that God wanted for him. He just did his own thing. And clearly, if he was doing all of these other things that were not in accordance with God's standards or the commitments that he had made, it's not a far stretch to think that he may have had wine or grape juice or something that would have broken that vow. Not only this, but when he finally revealed his secret to Delilah, he just told her that, if his hair was cut, he would lose his strength. He didn't mention anything about wine. If he, if that had been part of the condition, um, it seems like he would have added that when he said eating or drinking anything grape-related would also cause him to lose his strength, but he didn't say that. So, it, it looks like that his hair was, in fact, the only thing that would break his strength, because um, he obviously was not living a, a Nazarite life. Um, but yeah, he still had his strength up until the time he lost his hair. So, also, his hair was the most obvious outward signification that he was separated unto God as a Nazarite, Uh, where some of the other behavioral commitments may not have been easily seen or noticed by other people. His hair was an unmistakable symbol of dedication. It was either there or it wasn't, and everyone was able to see that. Instantly, just by looking at him, if Samson was known as a long-haired Nazarite who had immense strength, as he was, then all of a sudden his hair was gone and his strength was gone too. Um, there would be no question to other people as well as himself that the power that he had had, the strength that he had had, was from God and not from himself. Um, this may be part of the reason why God made the the continuation of his strength or the condition of his strength uh, hinge on his hair because this was the clearest demonstration that God was the one that was in control, the most visible. So, before Samson even came into the world, God knew that he would not perfectly execute... (laughs) his job of overthrowing the Philistines. Um, That was the task that was given to him when he was born, and God knew that Samson was a human and he wasn't able to perform in the ideal way at all times because no humans are. Even at most times, we're not (laughs) that great. Every human is subject to Satan in this world, and all of us have our Achilles heel. Those weaknesses that Satan exploits to the fullest extent in order to cause us to fail. Samson definitely had his weakness in that he was attracted to Philistine women and God was not ignorant of that fact. Um, So no human that he might have chosen to carry out the job of taking down the Philistines could have done it flawlessly and Samson was no exception. Because we're living in the middle of the great controversy and sin is everywhere and everybody has a fallen nature, God is forced to use people who are imperfect and who don't do tasks that they're given very efficiently, but he still accomplishes the best outcomes that can be accomplished with the people that he has available to work with, and Samson was exactly this way. Um, So even though he was very physically strong, he was weak in a lot of ways, Uh, but God still needed someone to accomplish his mission and so that someone was Samson like it or not. Um, God didn't want Samson to be unsuccessful, but there was no getting around the fact that Samson was kicking and screaming every which way in order to not accomplish his assignment. Um, his priorities were not the same as God's. God would have been shooting himself in the foot if he'd made the parameters or the conditions of Samson's strength so strict that he lost them immediately, because clearly he didn't have very much self-control. Um, if at the first sign of disobedience or breaking the vow, God had just pulled the rug out from Samson and took away his strength, it would not have done any good for anyone. Um, and at the same time, there had to be a breaking point somewhere. If God just let Samson run wild without consequence, not only would Samson fail to accomplish his assignment of taking down the Philistines, he would have also eventually turned away from God altogether. Um, So, God waited as long as he possibly could to remove Samson's strength before something even more terrible happened. Um, He had to find the, the balance point there. And then, once Samson lost his strength and became useless, In his weakness, he eventually came to embrace what he had been aware of, yet careless of, his entire life. He was sent from God to deliver the Israelites from the oppression of the Philistines, but instead, his life had been nothing but selfishness and avoiding his duty. There's nothing like hitting rock bottom to make us see how small we are and how big of a role God plays in our lives. Without are even noticing. I'm sure Samson had plenty of time to contemplate his life in choices in prison, grinding away with his eyes plucked out. Um, when we have no pleasures of life distracting us from God uh, and everything <laughs> enjoyable is taken away, like, we just naturally tend to turn to God because what else is there in the end? Um, and at some point, Samson finally came to accept his lot and and to do his part in fulfilling God's plan. He gave his life up in order to overcome the Philistines. And then at the end of the story, in Judges 16, verse 28, it says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. So, even then, I mean, I don't know. It it even sounds like he was doing it selfishly, (laughs) for his own revenge um but he was accomplishing apparently the mission that he had been given and in hebrews uh he's even mentioned in the in the chapter about faith as someone who who through faith conquered kingdoms administered justice and gained what was promised um, that's what it says in Hebrews eleven thirty three. So, Samson finally surrendered to God, but by God waiting to remove Samson's strength until the last possible second when his hair was cut, he was able to ultimately win Samson back, um, rather than lo- losing him and failing to defeat the Philistines both. So, even though Samson didn't carry out his job in complete competence, um, the task that he was given was finally accomplished. And his life was very sad and a lot of it was wasted. Um, But it wasn't in vain because God knows how to work with people to help them to do the right thing. Samson's life is also a great lesson for us to learn from teaching us that no matter how badly we go awry, how badly we break the vows that we've made, how terribly we act, um, God has a solution. He has a, a backup plan, and he orchestrates things so that we have the highest possible chance of succeeding. Even with our dunderheaded stumbles and our reneging on our commitments... And even if it seems to us that God is stripping us of our strength sometimes, um, he's only ever looking for ways that will, in the end, make us stronger. And I think that's what's what's incredible about the story of Samson. It seems arbitrary and trivial that God just said, um, your hair is the thing that gives you strength. But I think it was actually a lot more carefully considered than we tend to think just on reading through, especially as kids. Okay, so those are my thoughts on Samson. So now we're going to talk about the question, why did God wait to create Eve? What about this question? When I first thought of it, the first thing it brings to mind is, um, it seems to bring up some social and political questions that look kind of bad. Um, So, like, for example, does the fact that God created Adam first and then Eve later imply some kind of gender-related hierarchy, which is what I've heard a lot of people assume, or was there some kind of separation between Adam and Eve? Um, These are some of the inevitable places that we automatically go, but they're not really that satisfying, when you look at it. So, let's look past kind of the social implications of the question. The instant assumption is that Adam being male and Eve being female had something to do with it, but if we can go beyond that, beyond the situation of the earth, and focus on the larger context of the great controversy, which is what I always like to talk about, um, there may be a very satisfying explanation as to why God waited. So, first of all, you might wonder where this question came from in the first place. Um, in Genesis, God had already created Adam when when in chapter 2, verse 18, uh, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a meet. But before God actually did that, though, he created the animals and brought them to Adam so that he could name them. Um, and then it seems like when... While Adam was naming them, he felt lonely and was looking for a companion among them. Uh, But after he had named all of the animals, he still had not found anyone like him. Then God created Eve. So Adam was feeling relieved and he says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And then he makes Adam be alone while he names all the animals and then he creates Eve. And so now this is where the question comes from. Why did he wait? Why didn't he just do it right then when he said it's not good for a man to be alone? Um, But I think that there's another part of the question, which is why did God want Adam to feel that loneliness? He knew that delaying Eve's creation would cause Adam to feel lonely. Um, He knew that Adam would not take pleasure in being alone. Uh, Because he plainly says it's not good right after he declared everything to be good multiple times throughout creation. Why, in this newly created perfect world, would God force Adam to go through that weird feeling of being alone? Well, first, let's look at some of the evidence. Um, In the beginning of Genesis, when God created light, he called it good and separated it from the darkness. But he didn't create the darkness, and he didn't call the darkness good. In Revelation 22, verse 5, John is talking about heaven, and he says, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light from the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So, it seems to me that Revelation is speaking so optimistically of the place with no night, because night is not a good thing. So, why, if darkness is bad, did God allow it in his perfectly new world? Again, we go back to the great controversy. Satan had already sinned before the creation of the earth, um, and so there was already evil in the universe before Adam and Eve were even created into existence. This was a fact, and God, even though he's almighty and all-powerful, still had to deal with that fact, and he wasn't able to ignore it. Darkness is an absence of light, and evil is an absence of God. I think he allowed the darkness every night to prepare Adam for what he knew was going to be coming from Satan, to keep Adam alert and in the forefront of his mind that there is evil in the universe and that he ought to be prepared for it. This is similar to the fact that God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden and then he told them that if he when they ate of the tree they would die so why did he do that too? It seems like just putting that tree there is setting them up for failure um but God was obligated to place the tree there because of the accusations of Satan. Satan's accusation is that God tells us that his way is the best way, but it's actually a lie. So, in order for God to show everyone in the universe that he's not actually a tyrant just telling us what to do for the sake of telling us what to do, um, but he's actually giving us free choice, he had to give Adam and Eve the freedom to reject him at the tree. Otherwise, everything Satan was was accusing God of would have been true. He was giving them a choice to see if they would turn away from him or believe the lie. And, and the whole concept of the the world being created within the great controversy um, allows us to conclude that God knew Satan would be waiting to jump at the first opportunity to Bring sin to the brand new world. Um, he, there was already sin in the in the universe, and I think that's the reason why God let Adam go through that short time of uncomfortable loneliness. I, it would have been unfair for God to just toss Adam into a world that that was already corrupted. And into a battle that had already been started without preparing him in some way and helping him to be braced and ready for the attack. So the problem of being a little bit lonely was a consequence of the sin that had already inhabited the universe. And by Adam experiencing that painful effect, he was made just a little bit more aware of what sin was capable of doing. I th- I think that little bit of loneliness was like a, a little taste of the reality of suffering that basically um, is life on this earth. Satan would have had an unfair upper hand um, if Adam hadn't had that personal experience with one of the effects of sin. And Adam had a better foothold to understand why sin was such a bad thing, because he would experienced that. Without that knowledge of how bad sin could be, Adam would have had no other reason to obey God other than God was arbitrarily telling him what he could and couldn't do. Permitting a small but noticeable result of severing yourself from God built God's case that living outside of him only leads to pain and misery. Satan wants us to believe that true freedom is separating ourselves from God or rejecting God's law. So so I think that God waiting to create Eve really had nothing to do with her at all. Really it had more to do with equipping Adam to be better prepared f- for the struggle between good and evil. Eve Eve had not had that experience and as a result, she was an easier target for Satan to attack with his lies about God. Um, It says in 1 Timothy 2.14 that Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. If the devil had tried to trick Adam into eating the fruit in the same way that he tricked Eve, he wouldn't have succeeded. Adam had a fuller perception of sin and its consequences in the universe than Eve did. But I don't think this is an excuse for Eve. She had also been told that they were not supposed to eat the fruit, and they had both been warned um, about the conflict that was going on and that Satan was lurking around waiting to snare them. She was capable and informed and could have made the right decision to stay true to God. But I think... I- Adam, the advantage Adam had from experiencing the darkness of nighttime and the loneliness um, can bring us to a couple of conclusions. First, I think it tells us why the serpent went after Eve instead of Adam, because he had a better understanding. And second, in the broader context of, of the great controversy, I think it helps explain the original question of why God waited to create Eve. God wanted. Adam and Eve to succeed and to remain sinless. And he wanted to do everything he could to give them a chance to understand before they had to make the decision what the decision meant and to be able to resist Satan. I think both of these stories are really beautiful examples of how God tries to maximize our opportunity for success even though we're silly, myopic, short-sighted, weak, little humans that can't understand the broader picture of things without it being explicitly hammered into our brains. Um, and the things that God does that seem weird or arbitrary or sometimes even unloving, I think if you look closely, you can you can uncover why he does the things that he does and how those things are meant to help us despite our own humanity and our own (laughs) silliness. Um, so, okay, so let me know what you guys think. Uh, do you agree with my assessments of why God did these things? What are your takeaways from these stories? Um, and, I would love to hear from you. Email me at AdventistMillennial at gmail.com. Send me a message on Facebook at SDA Millennial or on Instagram at SDA Millennial. Um, I always appreciate hearing feedback and pushback and counter arguments and praise and adoration. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Anyway, have a great weekend and I'll catch you guys in the next one.